Welcome back to the Projection Podcast. I am Max the Future and I'm joined today by Hamish MacArthur and... And Louis, Captain Cutloose Parkinson, that blue-haired guy from Instagram. How are you guys doing? I'm good, thanks. How are you? <laughs> yeah, I'm not bad. Um, are we recording video as well? Should I describe what I look like at the moment? No, <laughs> yeah, you can describe, describe what we look like. We're not doing video yet. Okay, well, I look like um, a mix between a children's TV presenter and Rick from Rick and Morty. Um, <laughs> so um, it's all going well over here. How are you both? It's nice to see you. It's been ages, yeah. And I can also confirm that he does look exactly as he described. Yeah, he does. <laughs> I have said it better myself. <laughs> well, there's no yeah. one else to, to see. So um, so I thought I'd just go for crazy styles, seeing as I'm not yeah. going outside. So where Why would not? I like? Good time to experiment. <laughs> Yeah. So how's the podcast going? What number it's episode is this? Yeah, six. Whoa! Yeah, it's been going good. Very nice. How about oh, you? Very Have you exciting. Yet? Yeah, we. I've I've got a podcast as well, but we're doing it on um on Patreon. Uh, so um oh, yeah. so uh, there's there's less people listening for now, but we're going to release an episode for free soon. Um, so yeah, it's me and Dave Petz. Uh, you know the guy who uh, films lots of stuff with Epic TV and BMC TV and stuff like that. Uh, he, he and I have been friends for ages, um, and we are particularly silly together. Um, so ours is much, much less climbing-focused than yours is. Uh, we, we've just been talking about random stuff um, and generally just being silly. This is like serious climbing podcast, right? It's both. Well, it's both. In the middle. Yeah. Okay. It's, okay. Yeah, trying to find a balance between not being too boring and, like, selective of an audience, but also, mm, like, tricky. me and Max... Basically, all we do is climbing, so it's quite hard to like uh, yeah, abstract too far from that. Well, I'll, I'll try. I'll try and fit in. I, I thought of some fun questions, more so more fun ones than the ones I sent you already. Uh, but we could do like a quick fire thing. Um, are you ready? Yeah, I'm ready. You can right. say who you're asking it to first, otherwise we'll both start talking at once. Uh, okay, okay. No, wait, no. Maybe you should both answer together, and then you can fight about who had the right answer. <laughs> okay, perfect. All right. Okay, boulders or boots. Boulders. Obviously, roots. Boulders. What did Max say? Boulders, yeah, that's the right answer. Hamish, I'm sorry, buddy. No, no, no. There are right and wrong answers. Maybe I wasn't clear. Uh, um, I don't think I can argue that, but okay, carry on. <laughs> um, Favourite finger? Middle finger. Yeah, middle. Sure, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. That is the right answer. Well done, boys. <laughs> um, would you rather only ever be able to move statically or only ever be able to move dynamically? Obviously, I made my choice a long time ago. Yeah. Um. Oh, I think statically. I don't know. You look cooler. If you can do like a dynamic move statically, that's like the that ultimate That looks cooler. Goal. That's pretty yeah. cool. I um, think I'm dynamic. I'm too small to be static. That's true. I, agree. I think dynamic looks cooler as well, Max. Um, old school or new school? New school. New school. Yeah. Nice. Okay. I, I, I kind of like old school, but I'm not against new school. Slabs or overhangs? I think we all know the answer to that. Yeah, I think there's much debate there for any of us. Slabs. Slabs are crap. Obviously slabs. What? What, <laughs> <Max? joking. laughs> um, Crimps or slopers? I'm running out of questions. Crimps. Yeah, crimps. 100%. Yeah, thought so. Um, okay, tricky one. Um, Beastmaker 2000 or Lattice Edge? Beastmaker 2000. Not tricky there. Okay, cool. I thought that was a nice choice. you need on there. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's basically all everyone's got in lockdown, so... Well, I'm out of questions, so... Bye, guys! Thanks for the podcast! See you later! (laughs) Nice to to have you on, Louis. (laughs) (laughs) um, Yeah, that was all I've got. Sorry, guys, I didn't have any good questions. Um, But I feel like I know you're climbing a bit better than I did before, which is nice. Yeah. Have you got a board in your little house? Man, what like a home wall? Yeah. No, I wish. Um, I don't. If you guys, if you guys have home walls, you shut up about it right now. I don't want to hear about your home walls. <laughs> I've heard enough. I've got a Beastmaker One Thousand jammed into a corner. Um, if I move at all side to side, then I start crashing into bookcases and door frames. My training setup is crap. Um, so I'm I'm trying my best to stay motivated. Um, and hearing about your, your amazing home walls is not going to help me right now. <laughs> because I'm so jealous. <laughs> um, no, all I, yeah, all I've got is the one fingerboard and a yoga mat and, um, and lots of pent-up energy. So Back it's going place. well I over here. I can tell. Yeah. And you're not someone who's usually particularly chilled out either. So. Mm, I know. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's going okay. Um, 
I'm um, I'm getting on with like learning some other skills instead, so trying to use my time quite well. Uh, I've done a massive oil painting of my cat, uh, which shows how productive I am over here. Um, so um, yeah, it's all quite nice. What are you guys doing? Just living the monk life, training nonstop. Yeah, pretty just much. Yeah, getting up, training, oh, wow. sleeping, eating. It's all. It's just wow. the same basically as before. I think. Uh, I saw you post about it when lockdown started, and I was wondering if that would be the case for you. That um, it's about the same: eat, sleep, train. I just, um, yeah. I, I really do admire both of your discipline. I'm, I'm not particularly. Oh, this is actually something I was going to ask you guys about, if that's okay. That um, yeah. I think the we all have quite different. Well, you guys, I think, have quite similar approaches to climbing. Um, I am a bit laid back, and so I wonder if that contributes to me not having as amazing results as you guys do. Um, so. Um, how do you um how do you manage to stay motivated like so uh for such a long time is it just that you guys set clear goals because that's not really something i've ever done for myself max you want to go um for me max is a good goal, goal setter well just speaking about goal setting for motivation i feel like it's important to have like some long-term goals which you think about and not like the end all but it's like it drives you a lot to do what you do and the little ones are just to help you on your way but with lockdown for sure has helped me to learn to just love the training for training like just getting up and doing it for the fun and the See, love of it uh, do you do you find that you have to um did it take you some getting used to to get uh, to the point where you enjoy training because I I really struggle like that, I think that's why I'm really struggling to be motivated at home like, I love climbing if I'm at a bouldering gym then I just climb non-stop and that's always been my form of training I just do a huge amount of volume um, or I climb stuff badly as a way of getting stronger but now that it's just me and my fingerboard I've, ne- I've never really got that motivated by it um, so how do you what what do you enjoy about the training? Tell me the secrets because I really need this right now. Well, with with our training, we're still climbing. Well, that's part of the training as well. And at the moment, you can't do that big part of, and that's the part we really love as well. So yeah. you can't do that at the moment. So obviously, you're going to be a bit taken aside by that, I think. But and for yeah. me, I'm also really competitive so i know that if i'm skipping a set or whatever or not getting on my fingerboard when i know i should that someone else will be and then when i go and compete all the time i'm just thinking if i missed a rep that that guy who's just about to go on before me probably didn't so yeah it's like eliminating all that doubt from your mind for competition or that's really just like interesting general doubt yeah even when you're not in competition um... Because it's interesting hearing your slightly different approaches. It sounds like Max is saying he loves the training, and I'm sure you do as well, Hamish, but you're talking more about this slight competitive thing of I'm going to outwork everybody else and that's going to be my... Or at least your confidence-boosting competitions. I think what I really, really struggle with sometimes is that... I mean, I... I wouldn't consider myself to be an exceptionally strong climber. I'm, I'm very dynamic, and so it looks like I might be stronger than I am, but I wouldn't rate myself, like, compared to you guys who can hang off tiny edges with a decent amount of weight, to be clear, at the moment, on my um, bottom right-hand edge on the Beastmaker... So what's that? Is that That's like the 20mm edge or something. Yeah. I can't... No, like so I can't... Point. Yeah, so I, I can't hang that unassisted at the moment. So I'm, I wouldn't rate my strength particularly highly, but I also wouldn't rate it particularly low. Like, I think... I would never go to a competition thinking, oh, I'm going to be super weak. The thing that gets me, though, is that because I don't do much actual serious training, kind of what you were saying just then, Hamish, rang true of um, feeling like I lack confidence because I feel like other people have been training harder, and then that suddenly means I doubt myself at critical moments. So that's that's the one that kind of convinces me that I, I want to get a bit more serious about my training. Yeah, and also, I feel like if I'm going to do it, like if I'm going to go and do pull-ups... It's not going to be worth going and do, say, like, pull-ups that don't push me too much. Like, if I'm going to be doing pull-ups and I'm going to be training, I may as well, like, go all the way until I'm lying on the floor and I can't do any more. Like, and I <laughs> do enjoy that in a sense. In a, yeah, I yeah, guess, yeah. It's type two fun. It's fun afterwards. Yeah, yeah, but even, like, during it, it's absolutely horrible. And, like, you feel, yeah. like, nauseous and it's when you really push yourself to the limit. But I feel if you don't push yourself to the limit, you're always going to be wondering what would happen if you did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And those are good mindsets. I just want to add to something what Hamish just said then about pushing yourself that hard. Me and Hamish have been speaking about, um, so you know, feeling good and feeling sad and all these different emotions. That's just another emotion which people think is bad. So if you're happy, that's good. And if you're sad, that's bad. So this has helped me the other day. I was really thinking about this. Um, And I was pumped. And people say when, because I was doing like circuits or whatever, now it's just like, okay, the pump, I'm happy to feel this emotion or feeling. Because if you think about it in a bigger sense, when you're older or you can't be able to do this sort of training, or even when you die, you can't experience all these things. So it might be bad, but you're still experiencing that feeling. I, I see what you mean. So almost like, um, recalibrating how you feel about certain sensations like um okay so i i remember when there was a period believe it or not when i was really serious about my training and i'd like i did fingerboarding every day i did loads of work on the trx and aside from seeing some progression in like uh, like measuring my strength the bit that i really enjoyed but oh, i didn't enjoy it at first but i kind of learned to like it was that feeling of just being completely wrecked and having worked really really hard and i started enjoying that feeling more than I enjoyed the actual training so I'd carry on doing it so that I had that satisfaction of feeling really tired which wasn't obviously a feeling I liked at first whereas now I think I'm kind of struggling with my training because I haven't been doing it for a while and every time I start to feel slightly tired whereas before I would have been excited about it going yeah that's because I'm working hard now I'm looking at going oh no this is pathetic I shouldn't be feeling tired yeah oh that's really really bad and it kind of just puts me off instead and Um, when you stop when you stop judging those feelings as good or bad like I've consciously stopped using good and bad to describe feelings because it's only good or bad because a person has said it is like a dog doesn't yeah. particularly think anything is good or bad it's just pleasant or unpleasant and neither yeah. better they're all just feelings that you have the chance to feel like I feel really tired or whatever or I've got loads of lactic acid and it hurts it's neither here nor there it's not something yeah. you should necessarily avoid if you know it's going to have positive benefits just because it's bad in the moment or unpleasant in the moment yeah yeah you you guys have some um some pretty incredible insights on on training and mindset where, where are you getting this stuff from um all of my head <laughs> whoa <laughs> spending a lot of time thinking and um, yeah man thinking meditating doing all that stuff yeah. yeah. How often do you go? So I know you meditate quite a lot, Max. How often do you do that? Um, so I do it every morning and night as well. So twice a day, and then That's sometimes on rest days, yeah, I, maybe three times, something like that. I usually do one or once or twice a day. Always in the morning. Like as soon as I wake up, I have a wee and then sit on the floor <laughs> or on a chair and meditate <laughs> for not long, like ten minutes or something. Just. Yeah, makes you more aware. And how much of um, how much of a difference do you think that makes to your to your competition performances? Do you think um, it's would you say that your your time spent meditating and improving your mindset is just as important as your time spent fingerboarding and getting stronger? I would say like in scale of time, it's like like hundreds of times more important. If you think if you fingerboarded for ten minutes a day, that's going to do nothing. If you meditate for ten minutes a day that's going to have a huge impact on your entire life pretty much so yeah it's definitely time well invested and it like when you've meditated you never feel afterwards like oh that was a waste of time or i shouldn't have done that it's always yeah like it might be quite hard to get into and to start just to sit down and say okay i'm going to do this no, it's like a practice minutes. thing yeah for sure yeah. and what would you say um what do you say the effect of meditating is on your mindset in competitions? Do you, are you just better at staying calm under pressure, that sort of thing? For me, it's more so meditating for competitions. It's like with meditating, it has teach me how to focus my attention and fall into the state of flow um, easier so I can just shut my mind off and just focus on the competition instead of focus on the outcome and the past, say if I've not done the first boulder and I still have three boulders left to do, it's a lot more e- easier to forget about that previous boulder and you just focus on the one you're at right now. Mm. Or if you're resting, you're thinking about, okay, I'm resting right now. 
I'm shaking my forearms out, I'm not drinking, just be more present with what is actually going on instead of being like, oh fuck, I didn't top that boulder and Hamish topped that boulder or something like that. Yeah. Okay. And for, for me, like on top of that, which is definitely true for me as well, I'd say being able to see the bigger picture of things and noticing that there's way more important things in this competition and basically climbing in general. Like just having the time to sit down every day and play your mind, you begin to appreciate that you're not that important in the grand scheme of things and this competition is not that important in the grand scheme of things. So yeah, whilst obviously you want to win, you're trying to win, it alleviates a bit of pressure when you realise like this doesn't define you as a person. That's really like good. you're this result and people aren't really gonna judge you long term on however you do in this competition. That's really cool. How um because I think Despite the fact there's a, a, a little age difference between us, uh, we've probably been competing for about the same length of time. Um, what um, what would you say the key lessons you learned when you from when you were a younger? Cl- okay, so for example, I, I'd say I'm better now in comps than I used to be. I hope anyway. Um, there are some really clear lessons that I learned from having really bad performances in comps, which then stayed with me. I was like, oh, that's what I did wrong. I'm gonna learn not try to try and not do that anymore. Uh, have you got any particular lessons that you uh, that you think you've learned from bad experiences? So many, like so many. <laughs> I thought so. I feel like it's, you just learn all the time. Like easy yeah. ones to speak about is European champs last year in finals. Oh. I full started on the first boulder, so I didn't touch four points of contact, and that cost me second place. No. Well, you could say no, but oh. I'll never do that again. Well, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. Manu Kornu's never going to celebrate and then match again, is he? He's learned that once. And everyone will be able to say, like everyone in that fun who didn't win will probably say, oh, if only I didn't do X. Exactly. So, yeah, it's, yeah, for me, it's more how I deal with losing, which I would, or have changed. So, yeah, before I would just go off in the strop. Yeah, I, I, I wonder if that's true of all of us. Like I um, I reckon I spent at least the first three years of, and this wasn't like big competitions. That you um, for listeners, uh, Max and Hamish go and do big proper grown up competitions with like the IFSC. I'm talking about like local comps when I was younger. I think I left every single one of them for the first couple of years, crying, tearing up my scorecard. Um, weirdly, like, and this is one of the things that I I try and teach people now is that actually. Those times when I was leaving and tearing up my scorecard, I probably hadn't done that badly. I'd just looked at it, been really disappointed, not even bothered trying to work out where I was in the competition, or even considering that it didn't particularly matter where I was in the competition. Um, I'd just, yeah, overthink it way too early. It would put me off massively. But I still see people doing the same thing nowadays. Not so much, obviously, at higher levels, but at more local competitions and things like that. Yeah. Mm. That was interesting what you said with... uh like with other people because you coach now don't you yeah like yeah you yeah that's what I've been doing for the last um and have you been able to see yourself in the reflection of the kids you coach oh all the time man yeah that well that's actually what um I think what helps me as a coach is that um I have so much direct experience in like pretty much anything everyone uh, pretty much anything I see someone doing in a coaching session or if I'm at a competition with somebody you can almost guarantee that I've made that mistake before and learned from it at some point, so I'll be able to talk from direct experience. Um, I um, I've, I think I can often be quite... Not so much anymore, but I, as we were talking about, was quite emotional at comps before, so I recognise that sort of thing, and I, I think I still understand what people are feeling. I still compete now quite a lot, not the same level as you guys, but I, we, we sometimes see each other at quiff and things, <laughs> all away from the audience that. and things. <laughs> um, nah, you're, uh, still, so, um, you're still climbing well, Louis. I'm trying my best. Little old Louis still hanging on in there. <laughs> um, but it's it's weird because uh, yeah, for people who don't know, I uh, when did we first meet Hamish when you were t- 11, 10? Yeah, young, about that. Very yeah. small, and he's just got taller and more and more muscular for like <laughs> ten years straight. And now, are you like two heads taller than me or something? I've never measured it personally. <laughs> well, well, we will. Hamish is very tall and strong, and I feel like I'm getting smaller and older by the day. Um, but yeah, I think um, I think going to um, going to competitions still now and um, and trying my best gives me like more material to work with when I'm then coaching others. Um, I think the main 
The main one I see is people thinking about... And I, I still am guilty of this, and I'm trying to be better about it, but just thinking way too much, if that makes sense, while they're at a competition. By all means, yeah, they should think about... And I think this is what I'd say... I know Nathan Phillips is particularly good at. He, whatever the circumstances, whoever he's competing against, whatever level of competition, he doesn't seem to be thinking about anything else other than this is the boulder in front of me, what do I need to do the boulder? And he doesn't think about anything else. I reckon you guys are pretty good at that as well. Whereas I struggle not to think about thousands of different things, which obviously then just distract me from doing the boulder. Um, and I think a lot of it is about like the internal expectations I have for myself and my or at least what I perceive the external expectations are of myself. Like, um, I'll start doing worse in a competition like Blockfest if I suddenly start panicking that I might not make finals or I might not make finals in a particularly high position and that for some reason that's something that I should be really embarrassed by because everyone else is expecting that I will make finals. And then obviously my performance suffers because I'm worrying about all of this nonsense rather than just getting on with climbing. Mm -hmm. So then what I see students doing, and I recognise it a lot, is looking at their scorecard, having no idea what a good score is or a bad score is in this competition, but they'll look at the scorecard and go, that's a bad score, everyone else must have done better than me, I'm done, I'm leaving, forget this. Which, yeah, I, I used to do plenty of times. Uh, I, I'm sure, I don't know if you guys still do that sort of thing, but I've seen really clear examples where there's a kid on the junior team who I coach who almost as a rule, never hands in his scorecard because he always thinks he's done terribly. And it was actually at the Junior British Bouldering Championships. Just as the uh, competition finished, I could tell he was about to rip up his scorecard because he, he didn't think he'd be doing that well. And I like, grabbed it off him so that he couldn't tear it up, handed it in. And not only had he not done badly, he'd, come, he'd qualified in first place for the finals, I think, or something ridiculous like that. <laughs> so... Um, uh, maybe you guys still notice this, but every competition I go to, everyone I ask, oh, hey, how are you doing today? As a rule, everyone says, oh, terribly. Oh, I'm not. I'm climbing awfully. I usually climb much better than this. And I think everyone's doing fine. They just they just look at it too closely sometimes. I've talked yeah. for a long time. Would you guys interrupt me at some point? <laughs> of course, we'll try. <laughs> but yeah, I was thinking when you were talking, I did want to interrupt you, but... You had some interesting stuff to <laughs> say, you. so I didn't. <laughs> um, when you were saying you like have expectations on you and you feel other people's expectations that you're going to make finals in a high position, say, at Blockfest, how much do you think your online presence contributes to that? Uh, I was wondering if we are getting on to this, definitely. I um, want to, yeah. Uh, that's something that man, me and Max have a lot it, to learn from you about. Well, the uh, the trick is to um, post lots of V1 dinos uh, because everyone understands how impressive that is and it looks super good and you get lots of followers. Um, Thank you, Louis. I'd nice say that... Um, <laughs> yeah, there we go. That's it. Bye. <laughs> um, I think um, having having a large social media following definitely does add a bit of pressure when it shouldn't. Um, it definitely makes me quite self-conscious um, and... Um, if I'm like not feeling that confident, and like sometimes it, it adds to my confidence. If I'm if I'm smashing loads of boulders and I'm winning the competition and it's going well, and someone comes over and goes, "Oh, hey, you're Captain Cutloose from Instagram," I'll go, "Yeah, that's right, that's me." Whereas um, if I'm not doing that well and someone goes, "Hey, you're Captain Cutloose," I'm like, "No, please, no, don't watch me fucking now. I'm having a terrible. No, no, no I'm, you're not going to be impressed at all." Whereas no, if I if if I uh, wasn't known on social media, then there'd be no pressure, or maybe not. It's hard to tell. Uh, I definitely do think it adds a little bit of, um, of pressure, though. I feel like, ah, um, oh, maybe that's a better way of putting it. I feel like I should be much, much, much better at climbing for the level of for the number of followers that I have in comparison to, for example, how go how good you guys are at climbing, and it not quite matching up in representation. So, for example, if you guys have like a few thousand followers feasibly I should be like a hundred times better which I am definitely not but I feel like I should be or it's not excusable that I have that many people following me so um yeah, yeah it makes me nervous guys it makes me very it's nervous possible all the time. you're just you're just more likable than us <laughs> me and Max mm, I don't know it, do you think it's the <laughs> clown outfits I don't think so I think, I think it's a clown outfit and how happy you always seem to be I do try I do try and be very happy yeah um I think there's lots to be happy about. Life's life's not so bad. We get to go climbing. No. Well, not right now, anyway. But um, yeah. <laughs> no. Uh, right. Well, what what do you want to know about social media? What can I tell you? Well, you built you built this branded persona about yourself, Captain Cutloose, and mm. you were campusing everything. And do you feel that yeah. made? Did, do you feel that hint 
hindered or changed your climbing and training and you felt like you needed to campus and stuff like that so weirdly i think um it's probably having the reputation for being the campus guy who doesn't really know how to use his feet has probably had a really good impact on my climbing because it's meant I've over the over the years spent less and less and less time i nowadays i very rarely campus anything i spend so much of my time just repeating boulders over and over and over again going "Mm, nope foot slipped again do it again no foot slipped again let's do it again and i've spent a lot more focus than i think other people i've I've had more catching up to do obviously but i've spent a lot more time focusing on my footwork possibly because i had a reputation for not being particularly good at it um annoyingly though uh, this is a self-perpetuated reputation of being the guy who doesn't know how to use his feet that well but it's a really hard reputation to get rid of. I now think my footwork's not that bad. I, I think it's okay. Like, I can I can climb on overhangs. Usually my feet stay on when I want them to. Sometimes I can climb a hard slab. Not so bad. I don't think my footwork is significantly worse than many other people's. But because I call myself Captain Cutloose, every single time my foot slips, everyone goes, way, hey, his foot slipped, oh, it's Captain Cutloose, whoa, what do you expect? I'm like, no, guys, I've worked so hard. Um, so that that's a slight downside, but whose fault is that? That's my fault. Yeah, yeah, you definitely don't have bad footwork. It's not something that, if I didn't know your Instagram name, I would ever assume that you cut loose <sighs> a lot. But, See, that's that's what yeah. frustrates me as well, is when everyone goes, oh, Captain Cutloose is bad with his feet. I was like, no, no, you're just going off the Instagram title. You haven't looked closely. Footwork's not that bad. Um, well, no, thank you for not. noticing. I'm glad it's not that bad. I think there's more on you, like, as a... Like, well done for not letting that define you, because I think it's easy when people assume something of you to just let it be true and work your hmm. strengths to, like, stay as the guy who campuses everything because people seem to like him. Instead of thinking, okay, people respond to me canvassing stuff, but like you've realised that they'll better your climbing and you as a person if you do focus on your weaknesses. So, yeah, I, mm, the difficulty I think, is it's not quite reflected in the output on my social media channels because canvassing boulders looks super cool and gets you more followers. Practising footwork mm-hmm. do, does not look very exciting, <laughs> and so I don't really post it that much. Um, so it looks like I still just campus stuff, but I'm kind of just posting the very rare times that I campus things now. Whereas before that kind of, when I was younger, that was kind of all I did just because I didn't realise how important footwork would be. I was like, no, I'll just get stronger and stronger. And then obviously just hit a ceiling where I was like, uh, there's no amount of stronger I can get where this is going to work now. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Interesting <laughs> stuff. I've never really mm. thought about that. Like, yeah, I see social media more as something that I'm obliged to do at the moment to build yeah, a I mean, brand for sponsorship. <laughs> and I don't really want it to be like that. Like, yeah, I feel like it's more no, of a job for me. It's a, yeah, it's a blessing and a curse. I'd, um, I'd never describe myself as a professional climber because no one pays me to go and climb stuff. Uh, I'd describe myself as a professional coach, definitely. Um, and I, I'd say I'm very good as an athlete representative of different brands not necessarily for like climbing and i think that's the um slight distinction to make in terms of what you're aiming for with your social media profile um my aim is like partly partly i i want um i want to motivate people and i want everyone to go climbing and love it and i want to inspire people who haven't yet been climbing to go climbing because as we all know it's fucking brilliant. It's just the best thing you can do with your time. Um, but at the same time, it is also partly my way of sustaining myself. So um, I view it as I'm a professional sponsored athlete. And to do that, it, ha- it helps to have a good social media following. But it's also about the way you present yourself and how you represent the sponsors that you work with. Um, so sometimes it um, sometimes it just doesn't feel like work and I'm just posting fun stuff other times it feels like there's a bit of an obligation that I do need to keep posting stuff which adds a, a weird sort of pressure in my life which I don't feel is particularly necessary so I try and just relax and go nope if I post stuff great if I don't post stuff that's okay with some sponsors it's then a bit harder to go oh actually I don't really feel like posting things because you kind of have to anyway but um, it's not so bad at worst I just post some campus videos or I post me doing a dino yeah, yeah. Wow. Um, so, um, do you... I'm, I'm looking at my other questions I have for you guys. Um, you're, you're well known for smashing all the competitions and being world champions of everything. Do, do you guys climb on rocks too? Well, 
tried to, and I think Max tries to, but... Yeah, motivated for comps. The, the boulders will always be there. It's hard to balance, right? Yeah. What, um, what do you make of um, different approaches in climbing? Because my next question was going to be um, who your personal heroes are, and mine would be, uh, among many others, someone like Yerne Kruder, only because I didn't realise this until after he had won the World Cup, but he did this post sort of saying, oh, this goes out there to all the other people who don't really follow a training plan and just mess around and go climbing and then apparently just turn up and win the world championships. I, I, I listened to that because I was like, oh, the dream. Maybe there's still hope for me not doing a training plan. Um, do you think he's um, just a bit of a genetic freak and he's just going to be that strong anyway, whether he did a training plan or not? Do you think it's different for everybody? Um, do you think I could be world champion someday by just faffing around like I am, or should I commit to a training plan with some kind of discipline like you guys do? I'll, I'll be blunt, Louis. I think you should follow a training plan. <laughs> I'm, I'm getting to it, Max. You know, I was just doing some right before this. It's, it's probably not like your training plan, um, but I've come up with a slightly weirder creative version, which I'm quite enjoying. Nice. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm doing it a bit. I'm doing it. Um, but that was a pretty clear answer. Okay, I've, I've got it, listeners. I'm, I'm going to do a training plan. <laughs> yeah, I think I think Jenny is a bit of a freak. I don't think many people can do that. And I also think... There hasn't really been anyone else, right? right? No, no like Gabri Moroni, I think, is the closest. Yeah, but he still heard, hangs off a fingerboard plenty. He still hangs off a fingerboard. But yeah, that's just from speaking to other people who know him. I don't know much about his training plan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's quite it's quite rare that that happens. And it's probably not as accurate as you say. He might just be saying that, like, taking the extreme of what he does. Like, he will still, obviously, train a stupid amount compared to your average climber. Like, he will climb on competition-style boulders. He will, like, do pull-ups and stuff like that. But probably just not with the same discipline as, say, Adam Andra, who that's his entire life. Like, you'll never see Andra going to the pub with some friends or whatever when yeah on a day that he'd be training again they might do that and i think that's reflected in their results and their consistency like you know yeah he's won like one major competition but that's probably just because of the hundreds of competitions he's done that one competition suited his style exactly and suited the style of someone who doesn't need to be particularly strong it just needs to be a really good climb i say I thought, maybe I'm wrong, I thought he took the overall title and won yeah, several Yeah, he did. Rounds. Two years ago, he won day overall. He won, like, yeah, a few yeah. World Cups that year. Oh, how much of that? Because, um, how, how much of that... It, it looked like it to me watching it, that he was kind of just on, like... Like, on a hot streak of confidence. Like, one, once he won one competition... He was there, like, and oh, you saw the same thing kind of happening with Gregor Vazonic that yeah. he won like one comp and then was clearly on like this massive confidence boost and then won another. And then, uh, how much of a role do you think? Um, I mean, this is kind of what we were talking about earlier, so maybe we'll let, you guys will end up cutting this out. But, um, how important do you think it is to just be ruthlessly confident when you enter competitions? So, but it's, it's important to be confident in your. Um, ability to perform and do the blocks because that's what we're training for and if you don't believe you're going to be able to achieve or top a boulder then you probably won't like if you have that doubt mm. in your head then it'll work against you um, yeah, yeah. like when I go into competitions I'm always like confident and know I will do well this is head. something I was speaking to Nathan Phillips about to bring him up again uh, he was saying that he goes into a competition with the mindset that every single block that's been set, he can do. Like, they've been set for his standard. So there's nothing stopping him from doing them as such. He knows, like, he fully believes that every block he can do in four minutes. Yeah. And it's just a matter of getting it done. So, yeah, I think that's a very good attitude to have, is understanding that it's completely within your limit. You just need to execute, like, personally. You just need to control all the factors you can control and forget about everything else. Yeah, mm. I, I used to say that a lot last year as well, because Lamel, Alex Lamel at London, yeah. you obviously know him pretty well, He, like, me and him were pretty close last year, and we still speak a lot, yeah, and he so. helped me out a lot, yeah. and he told me that as well, he was like, the set is set these block for the top competitors to split them, and then he got into my mind that the set is setting these blocks for me to win the competition and I believe that and also it was like 
they set set these blocks and they test them and do these blocks and I'm in, I'm better than the setters. So if they can do the blocks yeah. and do the moves, then I can. Yeah. Also, I think that's um that for me I got a little confidence boost at the um uh what was it uh the Dockmasters comp uh in the Netherlands. I didn't do that well, but um you made semis, didn't you? Getting the, huh? You made semis, didn't you? I made semis, yeah, and then did quite well in semis. Um, like I got a couple of zones. I was like climbing quite well. I'm. You guys have been doing like big level comps. Well, I feel like you've been. You guys have been doing big level comps for ages. Um, and by, for me in my head, when I say big level comps, I mean IFSC format of five minutes on, five minutes off, with loads of people watching. I'm kind of still getting used to that sort of stuff, um, and so I'm. I'm still trying to get to the point where, like Nathan, I would go out and expect to do a boulder. And I've now had a couple of comps in a row like that where, okay, Adidas Rockstars, Nathan's theory of just what you expect to happen kind of becomes true is pretty spot on. Because, like, Adidas Rockstars, I expected to maybe climb one boulder, and I climbed exactly one boulder. Nathan expected to climb all the boulders, and he climbed all the boulders. Um, Dockmasters comp, I expected to get a couple of zones, and I got a couple of zones, and that's it. But I'm just kind of getting better at just chilling out, not feeling rushed, resting when I'm supposed to, and that sort of thing. Um, the bit that gave me a bit of confidence, though, was trying the finals boulders the next day, and um, finally having this realisation of, oh, okay, so this is the level of, like, finals, world-class problems, and I can do these. Like, they're not yeah, they're hard, obviously, and obviously it's loads harder to do it in front of a thousand people when you've only got four minutes and there's loads of money on the line or whatever it might be, but my idea that the hard problems at, a, at these high-level competitions would be way above the level that I'd even be able to get on, I was very happy to find out, no, it's, it's not true, they're like V9, V8, obviously they can be much harder if they're more basic, but... Um, uh, I've kind of tailed off now. I was happy to find that they weren't as hard as I was yeah. expecting. What's um? Yeah, think... What do you think the hardest boulder you've done in a comp might be? Ooh, it's so hard to say. Like to grade competition boulders, because like as you just said, they might not be particularly hard. Like, after, did you watch the finals? Of the oh, Dockmasters? Yeah, yeah. Oh you god, yeah, Billy is just a hero. Yeah. So if you watch, say, if you watch the finals. Like, competition final boulders are meant to be showy and hard to figure out, really. Yeah. Like, that's, that's the niche of a final boulder, is that it's hard to flash, because they need to split yeah. people. So, maybe once you, like, if you get it, like, sixth go or something, you can probably repeat it after, an, like, after yeah. the event. It's not, like, the sheer strength that you require to do the boulders. the, like, mental process to figure it out and execute it yeah. under pressure so yeah it's yeah it's quite nice to learn that it's not going to be physical limitations when you get to the final obviously they will help but it's yeah it kind of well just because as we were saying earlier like um i think um i personally struggle with confidence in my own strength because i don't take my training as seriously as i should and that all feels fine when i'm just enjoying climbing but then at critical moments when i'm doubting myself I suddenly wish I'd been doing loads of training. So it's quite nice at least to realise strength isn't the factor. I can at least be confident that I just need to think a little bit more about the problems or things like that. Um, I'm trying to think of my other questions. Oh, um, wait, wait, wait. Let me find a good one. We've talked about that. We've talked about that. Oh, um, what um, what do you think your best competition experiences would be so far? You've got good ones, surely. Uh, yeah. Oh, and aren't you um, vice champ of something, Hamish? I am. That seems like the obvious one. But <laughs> no, my, depends, my best like, one isn't a particularly obvious one. Yeah, that's not my goal to be vice youth world champion. I want to be not vice. I want to be world senior champion. So yeah. it depends if I learn more from being vice world champion than from coming fourth at another competition that motivated me to train harder. Mm. So in the moment, vice world champion was amazing. Like, I couldn't have really expected much more from that competition. But in the grand scheme of things, will that benefit me as much as another competition? Well, afterwards, I was really disappointed. And then that drove me to think about different training methods or different ways to alter my mindset or to train harder. So, yeah, it's hard to say at the moment because I haven't finished my competition journey. So I don't know what's going to impact me the most. But yeah, the best. Like, Do you have um? Oh, sorry, go on. 
No, no. Do it. you do you guys have like a set plan for your competition career already? Uh, do you know like which competitions you're planning on doing? Do you know how long you're planning on competing for and this sort of thing? Or just train hard, smash comps, see where it goes? Yeah. I don't have like... Well, at the moment anyway, we're in quarantine and lockdown and all the comps have been cancelled. Well, yeah. <laughs> so we're training for next year and then, yeah, I'm just seeing how many comps I can go to so I can... The first goal is get international experience and be able to get the results I need so I can consistently qualified to go out and then start making semis, making finals, making podiums because it's all a stepping stone to my main goals become world border champion and go Olympics. So there's little things which I need to do to get there as well. Seems like an appropriate plan. Yeah. Yeah, mine's um, pretty similar as well. Co-Olympic the, champions. That would be pretty nice, wouldn't it? That's beautiful. <laughs> that would be lovely. So I'm guessing then um, training for you guys is... Max hangs, repeaters, loads of TRX stuff, just the yeah. the same general stuff. Are you guys doing anything that you consider to be particularly weird or out there training? What do you want our training secrets, Louis? Is that what you're after? That, no, 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 no. That's not what I'm doing. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just interested. If um, I, I'd assume you're just doing the clearly proven yeah. things that everyone else is doing, and you're just stuck with it for a long time. Just a lot of the basics. It seems yeah. like is kind of what you need at the moment. You can't do too much. We don't have access to all the specialist equipment or anything. Like, I've literally got a fingerboard and a pull-up bar, and that's it. So, yeah, I mean, Dang. I'm lucky to have those, but you can't really get too wacky with just that, yeah. Oh, I've started had, getting pretty wacky with my stuff. Well. Oh, go on. What was your question? I had a question for you. When we were talking about the Olympics then, it popped into my mind. Um, how do you think... The Olympics will affect climbing's like portrayal. Just it being in the general media. Like the other day, Ooh. I saw like the video, like the climbing Olympic video game that was coming out, and it looked yeah. awful. Like it looked like climbing was just like solo. It's soloing first of all. It's lead climbing, but they had no ropes, and they were just dynamoing between different coloured holds. Like that's how the mass population is going to see climbing. I think. Um, what do you think it's going to? I do? think it will be really difficult and confusing because we Ooh, all know climbing, climbing as quite a complex, multi-layered sport with a lot of different aspects to it. Um, trying to explain what we like about climbing to somebody, like it's quite hard to do it concisely i'd talk about oh i love problem solving but oh i, I also really like socializing with other people and oh, i actually quite like the excitement and the adrenaline of it but that's only a tiny bit oh and i like going into nature and doing all that stuff and i think suddenly the whole world possibly is going to see climbing but they're only going to see one aspect of it and that's all they're going to know about it um I, short answer for me would be I think it's going to be a really good thing because I think loads more people are going to start climbing and although they would have had some initial impression of what it's going to be like they'll then get into it and discover all of the amazing things that we've discovered about it um, there might be concerns about um, people like uh, crags being overpopulated and things like that but that's kind of just onus on existing climbers to educate people better about best practices and things like that um, but um as for there just being much, much more climbers, great. I think climbing makes people happy and chilled. So, yeah, more people getting to do it. I think that's good news. Um, if, um, I mean, uh, who knows? Maybe bouldering is going to vanish and everyone's just going to get into speed climbing. But I think although speed climbing is the one that looks really exciting and will get people really drawn in, the fact that bouldering is actually the best one and is the easiest to get started with and is loads more accessible, I think bouldering centres are going to carry on exploding in popularity and that's the one yeah. that's going to benefit most. A beginner climber couldn't go on a speed route and get to the top in any amount of well, no, time. Well, no, exactly, really. yeah. So, so I think, yeah. yeah, I think it will be kind of just everything feeding back to bouldering, which is, I think, the best yeah. one, as we all agreed <laughs> earlier, Hamish. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I, on that one, I prefer training bouldering, probably, but I prefer competing in lead because it feels more consistent to me. Mm. Like, it's more reflective of training than bouldering. Bouldering personally with my experience is it affects comp like comp to comp it changes so much depending on the blocks like in a route none of the moves are going to be at your limit so it's basically how hard you've trained and i like yeah. that because i feel like that's very cool hard. yeah you do <laughs> mm. um mm. why how do you guys think the olympics is going to affect it well I don't think it will be great initially. I think there'll be a lot of 
Climbers taking big deals and forgetting about the origins of it, like big sponsorships, mm. and focusing too much on competitions and forgetting about outdoor climbing because that's not what's going to be seen really. See, I feel that'll be maybe personally as well. That'll be something that happens when I focus too much on the Olympics, and that's my like only goal for the next four years. And I neglect climbing outdoors. But as you said, boulders, outdoor stuff. So It'll always be there. there. Yeah. Um, yeah. One thing I, I suppose I hadn't... I think it will be good at the end of it yeah. all. As I mean, one thing, it's interesting you bring the idea of um, people taking big sponsorships and things like that. Because um, one thing that might be an interesting effect on climbing is the idea that... Uh, okay, completely alien idea, because this is only present really in football or maybe a few other sports, that people might be getting into it because they want, like, the footballer lifestyle. At the moment, like, no one's getting into climbing for the climber lifestyle. There's no money in climbing. But how might that affect it if the prize money for competitions was suddenly hundreds of thousands rather than 500 quid? Or um, yeah. or if there were sponsorships that you could get, which would set you up for life with millions. I, I wonder yeah. how that might affect the, the appeal of the sport, if that might affect the different demographics that get into it. Um, I think more importantly, I mean, it would ruin the community. Like, in competitions... I go and I see Max, I see you, I see everyone, and we're all getting along, we're having a laugh because we know at the end of the day, yeah, someone's going to take home 500 quid, but, like, if I miss out on that, there's going to be another competition and it's all going to be alright. Yeah. Biff, if it's, like, 50 grand on the line or whatever, and you're there, I might not be as helpful, I might not be as friendly, because I yeah. know how much that would benefit me, and being able to train more, being able to go on more trips. Yeah, I think yeah. that might be the first thing that would be affected there. But I don't oh, think that's necessarily a point. I don't think that's such a bad thing for also because it will be more, it will make it more competitive, and I think the level of competition will keep on increasing as well, which would be good. I feel. Um, just talking about levels being pushed and things. Do you think? Um, do you think we've hit the ceiling in physical capabilities in bouldering already? Do you think V17 is the hardest that will ever get, get done? Nah. Oh, I hope you'd say that, Max. Well, Max is shaking his head. But, well, think about it. when. So the climbing population at the moment is pretty small, and we're considered elite and pretty good. So imagine if there's he, more and more people coming, and our level we're at now could be not elite. Then there could be another... Uh, this, my thoughts exactly, man. Like, I don't know why people would ever expect that we've hit the ceiling because we keep on, if anything, the evidence we keep seeing over the years is that maybe there is no ceiling. We keep thinking, oh, V12 must be the hardest thing that's ever possible. Oh, no, okay, apparently not. V13 must be the hardest thing ever. So who knows? And you only need one you... more freak, like one freak person who is like exceptional and normally understands why, like you have in other sports. Yeah. They might be alive now they might be two years old who knows they might never have climbed before but there's potential that there's going to be someone who has like complete genetic like yeah advantage over everyone and if they find the right coach who has ways to harness their yeah like, initial so this is the thing that. that i was excited about with uh, so many more people getting into climbing is just the pool of people trying it and the options then for mm -hmm. people to get really good at it is suddenly loads better instead of just bunch of white guys doing it which we've got at the moment um yeah. oh um i was gonna oh yeah sorry yeah we were talking about it just now do you um do you think there is a specific body type which long term is uh, at the moment like there isn't really a clear body type that's better for climbing but i wonder japanese. if that's because climbing is still in the early stages <laughs> what are you saying max the japanese, the japanese what, what yeah. body type have they got i said the japanese Oh, just be Japanese. <laughs> well, they're pretty. They're pretty short, mm. bouncy, like. Far from Meiji. Yeah, I feel like. Yeah, yeah. The. I feel like average height or. Just below is pretty good because you need yeah you need to be agile for climbing light you can't be like um, a heavyweight boxer in climbing. No. Well, what about someone like Matt Fultz? Who? Yeah. Matt Fultz <gasps> is a great. He's like heavyweight climbing champ, Max. Yeah. He um he must weigh it. Yeah, I know who he is. Like eight, I was, I was eight, joking. Oh, you do? Okay. Oh, that makes more sense. Like, how does he not know who Matt Fultz is? Um, okay, so because um, I, uh, I think like okay uh, in um gone gone. Um, because climbing compared to other sports, it changes 
every single time. Like, if you just take outdoor climbing, there might be someone who's a heavyweight climber who finds a piece of rock that, say, that the strongest small guy could never dream of doing. Like, no matter how hard they train, they're physically too small and don't have enough muscle mass to get off it. And there might be the complete opposite end of the spectrum. So I think because rock is not designed for anyone, you know, it's completely natural. It's the people who find it that think that it's possible or if it's not possible. So I don't think there's going to be a specific body type outdoor climbing because it's not designed for anyone. But indoor no. climbing, it just completely depends on the, the setters. Like they have the power to influence who wins, really. Like a setter, yeah. I'm sure could make Yan Ho Ye win every single competition if they wanted yeah. to. But obviously they can't do that because they need to make it even well, out yeah. over a season. No, just just my thing was like, okay, in a sport like swimming, which has obviously existed for far longer than climbing, there is a very clear sort of distinction of yeah. if you're not six foot five with massive hands and feet, you aren't going to be winning any swimming competitions. I wonder if like a hundred years from now, it might be the same thing with like joining climbing teams where they go, oh no, you're not whatever specific body type might be. Uh, no, sorry, you can't be on our team or sort of thing like that. Seems unlikely. In speed climbing, but... in speed climbing I think oh, you're right. Oh yes, it would be. no, you're because right. Like, like swimming, it's exactly the same in every country, no matter what's happening. It's the same route like in swimming. You're just going forwards and backwards. But yeah, in other in bouldering and lead, I think it's going to. I think there's going to be certain types of body types that do really well. But there's never going to be a set body type. There's always going to be different pools that suit different boulders better. Would would you guys um, change anything about your own body types for your climbing? I'm I'm pretty happy. I'm like I'm a lot lighter than I look, and I've got spectacularly long arms and legs. But I'm also not that tall, so I'm I've kind of got best of all worlds. How are you guys doing? Well, I think like there'll be things which I can do which Hamish might struggle and there'll be things which Hamish will do which I can't do and it's just like yeah. everyone has different abilities and strengths and there'll be things that suit my body type so well which other climbers will struggle and maybe will be yeah. physically impossible for them and it will work vice versa so if you say uh, I want to be taller then it might make that thing where my other body type where I didn't change would be harder so if I grew an extra like six centimeters, yeah, I think but that, I the think previous that, I was shorter yeah, than six that, centimeters. I think that, do you think that's because you have a style that you have adapted to your body type? Because I would say if I suddenly was Tomoe's body shape with my current style, it wouldn't work because mm. although he may have some like features like like his really sticky skin or whatever, or he's smaller and more dynamic it wouldn't suit me because i have spent however long 10 like 10 11 12 years making my climbing suit me it's very mm. personal and individualized so it's not as easy as just switching body types if you could because that would basically get rid of 10 years of adaptation that i've had to do to Man, make sure one of the things because this is the sort of thing that I end up doing quite a lot as a as a coach and this is one of the other ways that I think it benefits my own climbing is basically just root reading with students and trying to work out different ways of doing it and so I'm I'm constantly trying to imagine that I am a different body type and working out okay no you can't reach it that way or okay no you're not strong enough to pull on that but maybe you could do it that way or oh you can't lift your leg that high okay let's find another way I would absolutely love if there was some option to like actually switch bodies with someone and try and climb in someone else's vehicle and see what it's like that would be cool I don't know where I'm going with this just if Max can I switch with you yeah that no but imagine like you like going into my body me going in yours and like the height different, like that would be the first I thing you would notice. So interesting. The first, yeah, I think it'd be, be a lot weaker than you think. Even if the machinery is super strong, I think mm. you just wouldn't have the awareness. You wouldn't know how to use it. it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And how much experience have you had with setting? I know you've done a bit, because surely that um, affects how you read routes and how you see different climbs. Yeah, I think. Um, uh, settings definitely helped me because it it gave me the very clear idea that 
like the climbs aren't supposed to be a mystery with millions and millions of different solutions. The person who said it did have a specific idea that they wanted you to do. So it's always kind of stuck with me of at least knowing if I work out the way the root setter intended, that's likely to be the easiest way. So let's stick with that first. Um, so it's helped me a bit. Um, I don't do too much root setting. I've done um, I've done a decent amount over over the years, um, but. Um, uh, okay, yeah, like yeah, I'm, try I'm trying to pin it down to a, like a specific amount. I don't know why. Um, I, I've done I've done a fair amount of root setting. I'd say um, I'd say coaching has helped me more just because it's kind of the same effect of um, spotting patterns and recognizing them again later. And I spend more time doing that when I'm coaching root reading climbs in various ways for different for different students of different like body types than I do when I'm root setting. Um, but I, I mean, I'm very aware that. I spoke to Billy and Nathan and people about this at the Doc Masters comp that they put a lot of their success of, in competitions directly on the fact that they root set regularly. Like, Billy even had a specific thing where he was saying, I think if you root set... I might get this wrong, Billy, sorry if I do, but he was saying something like, if you root set three times a month, then that's probably the right amount that you're not getting tired out, but you get really good gains from doing it and playing around with movement and understanding the sequences and all that sort of stuff. Um, do you guys do any? Not a lot in the sense of putting holds on the wall. Maybe like once every couple of months, just because yeah. like a I'm training a lot and I've had school, so I didn't have any time to reset. And then also just because of the tiredness thing. But in well, the yeah. sense that I would make roots up, like yeah, all the time. My basically my whole session, if I'm just playing, if I'm just having fun on the wall and climbing. I would make up routes the whole session because I would usually have done every climb at the wall just because I'm desperate. Well, yeah. So, yeah, I would make routes up, and that definitely helped me understand like how I fit into different spaces and looking at something to see if it's possible or not in different sequences. Mm. So, yeah, that would help, but it's not the same as putting the holes on the wall from scratch as a route setter would in a competition. Mm, it still helps, though, right? Yeah. And for me as well, in Aberdeen, I would set a little bit, but I would just, like, set training boulders because it was quite a small mm. wall. So I'd only really set under 45 and just, like, spray it, basically, with a lot of holes and set, like, yeah, yeah. hard boulders so I could make strength gains on them. And then I would just do the same as Hamish and get creative and make up movements and stuff and just have fun nice. and do as much moves as possible. Because if you do... And make up every move that there is, which and do every single move. Then if you've already done the move and get to get in a competition, then you'll figure it out a lot easier or do it easier. Exactly. I spend a, I spend a lot of time doing like weird movement exercises and just playing around with sequences, kind of exactly as you're saying, just on easier boulders, with the exact explanation that I'd give to students of I'd rather do weird stuff on this jug ladder, which is completely unnecessary now but accidentally would be practicing stuff that is definitely going to come up in a competition later. Like, okay, yeah, obviously, like, heel hook, toe cam, drop knee, press weirdness. I think that's definitely a made-up move. That doesn't exist. But whatever, <laughs> like, weird moves I'm making up on, on easy boulders, they do come up eventually, and, I'd, yeah, better to practice it on jugs. Then I can recognise it later. Um, yeah. Uh, oh, I had, I had one last question, uh, and then I'm afraid I've got to go, guys. Um, oh, that was it. So we talked about, um, like, motivation for training and motivation for climbing. Um... How much do you value um, pure just enjoyment of climbing over like discipline for uh, for your training plans? Because I've focused entirely on I just want to enjoy climbing and we'll see where it takes me. And we've seen how that's gone for me. You guys have gone for the discipline route. Um, how do you feel that yeah. that pays off? For me, they're linked together very closely. Like they're way more intertwined than it would look from the outside. I'm climbing, I'm smiling with friends, I'm having fun, and then I go train and I put my headphones on, and I'm making weird noises. Like, it's... <laughs> like, personally, although, yeah, it may seem that I'm not enjoying that, it's part of climbing for me, and it's part of enjoying it. Otherwise, I just feel like I'm not making the most of it, and I could be having mm. way more fun if I was climbing harder. Like, otherwise, yeah. you limit yourself to a certain amount of climbs at the wall. Like, if you can only climb half the climbs at the wall you're missing out on 50%. And it's the same in the world. If you can only climb up to V10, you're missing out on V10 to 17 or 
yeah. whatever it goes to. 24, when me and Max go to fun. We're going to go and pioneer some stuff. But yeah, I, yeah, I enjoy both. Like, the discipline and all of that enables me to, yeah, have more confidence in myself and have more experiences in the future. That's a very good way of putting it, of it, like, kind of unlocking more things to experience and enjoy later. Max, yeah. how about you? Um, one of my favourite quotes is discipline equals freedom. So you can get enjoyment from being disciplined and like knowing you should do your training set and you're going to do it because if you don't then you'll have that doubt in your mind which is always going to be there and you're like oh I should have done this but I didn't because I couldn't be honest basically and that's where the freedom comes in because you're free from them thoughts and there is a different like you do find enjoyment of pushing your, well, I find enjoyment in pushing myself to the limit and not just, yeah, that's that's a different time of fun. Mm-hmm. Well, it's all fun, isn't it? I just, yeah, I love yeah, training yeah. for the training. And the training we're doing, it's not like it's not climbing because I climb every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. And also, oh, wait, no, I've realised I've got more questions. Uh, what would you guys be doing if uh, if climbing didn't exist? Ooh. I know, right? I'd probably be a science teacher by now. I think that's where I'd be, like, in a secondary hey. school. Not That's that's not, like, my dream, as in, like, that's sort of, like, the path I was on, and then I ended up climbing. So I probably would have just ended up in a secondary school. You'd have been favourite teacher, Louis. Ooh, You'd have been the one that, like, yeah, here we go. <laughs> Clown Parkinson. <there. laughs> so what about you guys? Hamish, hey, what would I be doing? <laughs> uh, my... T- <laughs> I should probably be in a skip somewhere, I think, in Torrey. No, you joking. I don't know what Max would be doing. Max is, Max is always going to be pushing himself, so I, he would be in another sport. Like I, hope, I, hope, I hope I would be in another sport and find that and use my energy into doing yeah. something productive and creative. But, like, the friends who I was friends with in Aberdeen were, like, they've all got into, like, some pretty pretty bad things and i don't yeah like <laughs> yeah shit is, like the other week some i don't know if i can i'm not gonna say names but um one of my yeah. <laughs> oh so one of my mate he um it was over like i don't want to say gangs but basically he was like stabbed multiple times and like his finger cut off and stuff and yeah so oh it's some crazy shit happens now. So that could have been you. Yeah, basically. If not for climbing. Yeah. Because when oh, I, man. I'm not sure if it's that simple. Yeah, I, it's not like, that simple. I think but... you're different from that in the fact that climbing isn't the most socially acceptable sport to do. You know, like it at school. Yeah. People like don't really understand it. So if you're willing to climb and like your friends have accepted it and like all of that, I think you're probably different to most people in your group of friends or in that's that a very good point world. Mm. yeah i think both of us would always be doing something that pushes ourselves even if it's not climbing there'll be something else i don't know what i could have yeah. been but yeah Probably Wait, a I, lot what, la, I've got one happy. last last question, and then and then, okay. and then everybody should go. Um, okay, so I know you guys don't do much outdoor climbing at the moment, but dream boulders. I, I, th- I feel like you guys do know a fair bit about them. Um, mine would probably be. Do you guys know High Fidelity at Cayley Roadside? Yeah. That's that's the dream, man. I want to do that. I want to do you that can someday. Do that, that's not I very. Should. I know. I mean, it's in Cayley. Why? Surely your dream I know, I should have done it when I was like there. Magic Wood or something. Man, so for, I like just for me, that was... Um, so Cayley Roadside was where I f- kind of first started climbing outdoors properly. Um, like, started off and couldn't do... I'd already climbed plenty indoors, but couldn't do V0 grip boulders when I first started. And then, like, slow progression over years. Finally managed to do my first 8A, which was nice, but always was looking at high fidelity. And I've tried it a couple of times and just got shut down. But it's, like, by far the biggest, most exciting thing at the whole crag. It would be, like, a, a nice one for me. What about you guys? Well, let me know when you're next going down. I, I will, will, man. If, if you can got, um, if you got a load of pads and a couple of strong arms to catch me, if I plumb it from the top, that'd be lovely. <laughs> yeah. 
Oh man, yeah. great, we've got oh. a session organised then. As soon as all this lockdown's fixed, let's go, let's get yeah. high fidelity done, then we'll go and do uh, sure. careless talk. What other good highballs are there? We'll do super block. Yeah. Okay, Max, what about you? Oh, I feel like... No, I didn't get an answer. I don't have huge, like... I don't have, like, dream boulders. I've obviously got boulders on tick lists and stuff. But I feel like if there's one boulder you want to do, then, but I feel like, there's always going to be, like, a next thing in it. So I don't think there's dream boulders, but I've got goals. So one of the goals is I want to flash karma in front. Oh, good one. Yeah, that'd be, I, mad, um, that'd be mad. I think I might have the record for guy who fell off it the most times before they did it. It took me five fucking years to do it. Um, um, and, um, okay, yeah, that's a that's a pretty good one. What else? So flash then, karma. Has I want it been to do... flashed? What? Nah. Has it been flashed? Nah. Hasn't it? Oh, that's, yeah. That's the matter. You that's, could definitely flash um, the Joker or the Ace as well. Yeah, that I want to do them. They're sick, right? I want to do them both. You'd walk up those. You both would. Uh, I want to do go. what is it? Smiling Buttress. Ty Lamman got the first oh, and second. Wow. Yeah. The, has anyone done it since Ty? Nah. No, I didn't think so. I really want to uh, do that. Recreate. As well. Recreate between the trees. Yeah. Yes. That'll, that'll oh, what a movie. Cool. What a movie! Oh man! Yeah, for me, I don't um, know. Um, I mean, there's so much, but yeah, I'll let yeah, you go. Yeah. Louis. It sounds like I'm afraid so. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> I got to get back to work. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. Um, You're great. And um, oh, I hope so. I feel like I talked non-stop. I get all excited. I'm excited talking to you guys about real, like, serious stuff that you guys do. Um, well, I'm gonna go and do um, shitloads of pull-ups so that I can beat Hamish in the next league comp because I've learned that that's the secret uh, thank you very that much is. for the secrets I've learned everything I need um, and uh, yeah good luck with the podcast guys I'm looking forward to listening to, to all the other episodes thank, thank you so thanks for coming on again happily you've been a good guest oh, I enjoyed oh, I haven't overstayed my welcome that's great well I'm that's gonna leave all. you guys wanting more then uh, and um, yeah. oh wait okay so I'm gonna assume this is we're st- like stopping recording now well do you yeah, want to plug any what, do you want to plug any sponsors before you, you go? Oh, yeah. Well, why not then? Okay. Um, okay, let, wait. Hang on. Let me think what I'm going to plug. Um, okay, so I guess main one I'm going to plug is um, Catalyst On Demand, which is... Um, is this the one I'm supposed to plug? Is that the one you want me to plug? Nah, Max was nodding. Okay. Oh, he doesn't care. All right. Um, well, okay, so... Um, wait, I'm going to leave a little pause so you can edit it. So I suppose the uh, thing I'd like to plug is uh, Catalyst On Demand. Uh, Catalyst Climbing is the coaching company that I run. Uh, we're a team of coaches doing uh, private coaching and training plans and group memberships and all this sort of stuff. We've got a new platform called Catalyst On Demand coming out on the 16th of May. And that'll be a uh, 7 99 per month platform where you get to see loads and loads of pre-recorded workouts to do at home. Uh, all of the recordings of the daily live sessions that we've been doing, which have been super popular, really nice community vibes. And we also have uh, guest coaches uh, coming in and doing expert workshops every week so all the recordings of those are also on uh, Catalyst On Demand uh, so in case I didn't say it enough times Catalyst On Demand 16th of May <laughs> get it it'll be super exciting that's all I've got thank you very much guys thank you that was a that was a good opportunity for plugging <laughs> um, uh, so yeah uh, thanks for listening to episode 6 it's been good enjoyed having Louis on hopefully he'll thanks come back thanks for having back. me guys I absolutely loved it I'd, I'd love to be on again so um, yeah hopefully everyone enjoyed it thanks for having me and uh, I'll see you guys soon bye see guys. you soon bye